0: you are listening to the creative pivot podcast and i am your host heather johnston a coach and business mentor who is passionate about working with women in midlife who are tired of feeling stuck and unfulfilled in a life that they were told is what you are supposed to do making a creative pivot is about leaving those old stories in the past tapping into your creative spirit and writing your next chapter so that you can confidently own this is who i am This is what I love to do, and this is how I'm choosing to live my life. On the podcast, we talk about taking inspired action towards changing careers and starting businesses in the middle of our lives. Join me as I talk to women who decided to pivot their lives after 40, including my friend and fellow entrepreneur, Christina Brummer, founder of The Spectacular Middle, who will be joining me for a special series about starting and growing your heart-centered business. Thank you for listening, and if you are ready to make your own Creative Pivot, visit thecreativepivot.com. And now, here is our latest episode. Welcome to another episode of the Creative Pivot podcast today. It is one of our conversations on growing your heart-centered business with myself and Christina Brummer from The Spectacular Middle. And today we are going to... Talk about something that makes both of us feel uncomfortable to admit or maybe used to feel uncomfortable to admit. Now I feel like I talk about it to anyone that will listen to try to help others that may feel this way. And it's about tendencies to be a people pleaser and codependency in both maybe your career up until this point point new jobs you take, contract work you do, growing your own business, ways of being very aware of when you tend to step into people-pleaser mode or be codependent on your clients, which is not a healthy place to be as an entrepreneur. Christina, what are you most interested in talking about today as we talk about people-pleasing?
1: Well, I think that... For me, it is knowing that you can change it, whether your tendency is to be a people pleaser. I think you can become aware of that tendency and then you can shift it. And there's, you know, from that consulting, more technical side, there are ways that you can set yourself up for success. So I think that's one of the things I want to talk about is how you can move out of that and still be a pleasing person without being a people pleaser, because it gets that phrase just gets such a negative connotation. Um, And I think really setting yourself up with those guidelines so that you can be successful in providing quality customer service without falling into that people-pleasing bucket. And then codependency, I think, is a really important thing as an entrepreneur to be aware of. You know, for me, it was not thinking I could do this on my own and always feeling like I needed either to validation externally Or that I needed someone else's help to be successful. And I think that's another thing. Most of us start out as solopreneurs. And so really feeling like you can be dependent on yourself and that you can be successful in that way, recognizing that everyone needs help, but that you're not dependent on that help. I think that's the difference for me.
0: Yeah. And recognizing that I was making a lot of decisions in prior versions of of myself, as I've learned more about myself, that I was making decisions strongly based on what I felt people would respond to. Like, what will people think about this idea? What will people think if I choose this position or I decide to take on this project? And codependency, that idea up until not very long ago, I thought it had to do with like dysfunctional relationships, like a romantic relationship, like being a codependent, dealing with addiction behavior, or some form of kind of abuse. Like I just associated codependency in that way of like, oh, if someone drinks, then you have some sort of behavior that allows that behavior to continue. And you think that you're somehow responsible for changing that person's behavior. Like all of your energy goes on wanting that person to do better rather than managing your own self. And so putting the codependency lens on how I operated and like you said, making decisions based on what do I really want to do versus am I choosing to do this because I'm just so used to what other people prefer, and I want them to stay happy and content and feel like I'm doing a good job, that I just make those decisions. And realizing that as an entrepreneur and for myself as a coach, there are things that I've put into place to really kind of manage that people-pleasing or codependent nature, because it just leads to I would say for myself, like lacking self awareness, which is really something that we want to grow as far as growing our business, we learning more about ourselves and improving our self awareness and our self acceptance and our self love.
1: Once you become aware, then you can recognize that there are things you can do to put in place for yourself so that you it's I was just thinking of like when you're bowling as a kid and they put those bumpers down the lane. Right, so that the kid can be successful. The ball's not going to end up in the gutter all the time. You know, for me, I think over the last little while, it's establishing what the boundaries are for me. And you had said it in a previous conversation we had it's an agreement so that I know what it is that I'm expecting of my client, and the client knows what it is they're expecting of me. So we both know what those bumpers are. And so that whenever I have that tendency to people please and to go beyond that, I can give myself that little bumper to say, hey, no, no, you don't need to go outside of that. The client understands that this is the boundaries. Um, and I think from that more technical perspective, that can be done through creating a quality of service guideline. You know, what are your going-to-do's for your client? What is those agreements? How you're going to communicate, how you're going to deliver your materials, how you're going to finish a task, things like that can be set up so it's really clear. You can use SOPs or standard operating procedures so that yourself and your team know what those bumpers are. Here's how we work within this guideline so that everyone knows what the path is and there's clarity. There's a Brene Brown quote and I may get it wrong, but I think she says clarity is kindness. And so now not only are you being kind to yourself because you said, okay, I've made this really clear what the boundaries are, so I don't have to ever have that feeling that I'm not doing enough or something was misconstrued or it was confusing, but it's the same for your clients. Like they understand it's clear to them what the bumpers are. So I think those are some things you can do from a technical perspective to kind of set yourself right so that you have the comfort to be able to steer your ship and not feel like, you know, you need to go outside of it.
0: Yeah, because as a coach, and there may be others listening to this that have a coaching business or want to become a coach and grow a coaching business for myself, as an ICF coach or an International Coaching Federation coach, we have these core competencies that we should always be working on striving towards presenting. And the first one that kind of is our umbrella of working with clients is that we maintain an ethical practice. And a part of that is at each moment that we meet with our clients, setting an agreement. So at the very start, it's that agreement, that more official, here's what coaching is, here's what it's not, here's what you're going to get, here's what it's not. But with every session, when you meet with your client, Every session, you have these mini agreements that you work on. What do you want from this session? And you're acknowledging constantly that you're not leading the person towards what you think they want to get at the end, which is kind of that people pleasing thing. So if you think of this as a coach working with, or just as an entrepreneur working with any client, do you fully understand what they want from you? Because even when you set up those bumpers, calling out when, I feel like that agreement, that thing is changing. Because with a coach, there is such a thing for clients wanting to please the coach. Do you think this is what I should be doing next? And, right. you know, so as a coach, it's like, that's part of that agreement of spinning it back to say, this isn't about performance, a performative nature. This is about what are we trying to do? What are you wanting to do through coaching? You know, bringing it back, bringing it back. From a client standpoint, the type of work that you do as an online business manager, you know, setting up those SOPs. Do you ever picture like in your head, because I visualize things, of sometimes I'm like, my Netflix membership Which one did I sign up for? Did I sign up for the this much a month and it's one screen, but it is high def? And then, oh, or did I sign up for this much a month, but I get two screens and I get this extra thing with it or like no commercials versus commercials. I think of it sometimes in that way when I'm explaining to the person of here's what you get. Did you pay the $99 a month or did you pay the (laughs) $7.99? What are you getting?
1: Yeah, it's a good distinction because when you are a service-based business, you have to set those guidelines and make it really clear. But I like what you said about there's also the need for reinforcement. So one of the things that I hadn't done at the beginning that, you know, I wish I had established was reportings. Each month you're reestablishing what this is something new that I'm implementing implementing that idea that every month you're reinforcing or every quarter you're reinforcing the goalposts. So you're saying, here's what we have. Here's how we're going to work together, not just sort of one and done because I think people do need that reinforcement as well as me as the service provider. You know, I have situations a lot of times where I'm like, I should just do that thing because it takes five minutes and I'm going to do it. But when you're doing that, then you're modeling that space for someone to, go outside of those agreements and, and you're making that okay. So I think that just is my people pleasing then taking over and blurring the lines. So those guidelines are as much for them as it is for me and for me as it is for them. Like it's really meant to keep us all on that track. But I think also you can give yourself the gift of flexibility then because if you know what those are, And, you know, for me, I have chosen to run my business more as a boutique type agency where it has a lot to do with the person. So what I do for one client, and it's not necessarily the same for another, only because they're different people and they have different needs. So I like that flexibility. I like being able to say, okay, so-and-so, here's what's happened over the last quarter. It's not really working. Let's reestablish what those guidelines are going to be. And then you have that flexibility. So I think it's an ongoing conversation. I don't think it's a finite you know, thing for me. I definitely see other service providers where it appears their packages are extremely clear. Like I do A, B, and C, and that's it. So I think they're, mm-hmm. they have the ability for more finite spaces then.
0: Well, one of the things that comes up next for me with kind of this people-pleasing is that performative nature sometimes that can appear in like a coaching relationship is tying your own success or your own self-worth to the success or the progress of your clients. Both of us in the roles that we have are brought in to kind of guide in different ways, the vision of the people we're working with. So from a coach, someone comes to a coach because... Many different reasons. They feel stuck. They're not sure they're making the right decision or they have a big decision coming up and they just need some guidance of moving through. They're trying to get some big project done or they have this like, I want to grow this business. And they just the mindset of like getting it from being at a day job to this business that people are paying them for is such a leap that, you know, they're looking for someone that to help guide them. As a guide, it is not about answering the questions for the client or the coach. There has to be a vision there to start. Mm-hmm. If there isn't a vision, then the whole relationship, that's that part of you go back to that agreement. What is the agreement here? Your growth is only as much as how you are consistently showing up. And we've talked about we were having a conversation about consistency and how important it is. hmm the things getting done like what you have envisioned happening in your life your client is an active participant in that success but it is not tied to you doing your job to the best of your ability doing all the steps that you need to do to get that if your client is not doing the work either as a coachy doing the internal work, answering the questions kind of truthfully that they know they need to process and figuring out what their next step needs to be. Or if you as an online business manager is helping them to grow their business, like they are an active participant. There's no sitting back. But in the early days when I was first coaching, and this is very, very common with new coaches, so much of your worry is tied to they're not Growing fast enough. They're not making these big strides. They're expecting this momentous life change and it's not happening. But then you'll have another client and it is happening. But that consistency of like keep doing the work and keep doing the work and improve upon, like for myself, my own practice as a coach. It's a huge part to letting go of that. My success as a coach does not need to equal whether. This client was able to move forward and this client didn't have the growth that they
1: wanted. I think that's a really important thing because it can be very hard when your clients are not successful in whatever endeavor you're a part of because you feel very responsible for the outcome. And I think that that is something I definitely have had to work through, especially as a heart-centered business, because you are connected in a much more human way. I had that issue when I worked in corporate as well. Like you want the product to be good, you want the program to be good, but it was mostly tied to like you said performance. So it was based on some kind of performance review or some way some boss maybe you didn't get the promotion things like that. But when you're doing it for yourself, it could be tied to the client decides to stay with you or they don't. And and that can be really hard when you're someone who like us is a 9, Enneagram 9 and conflict and people pleasing are things that are you know challenge zones and I think overcoming that can be a need for you to separate the outcome from your work you need to accept that if you did your best and you did what you the agreement was and it didn't land that there is space for you to be a part of the debrief to figure out what could we do different but it is not a let's pile it on and say that you know it wasn't good enough, or I wasn't good enough, and tying yourself worth into that can be really challenging. So, I think that's a really good point for people to recognize that they're not the outcome. I was just thinking of an example because you know, I love a good analogy, but I was thinking, like, you know, if someone goes to the store and buys a snowboard and they don't become an Olympic snowboarder, right? The snowboarding company didn't fail them. Tom and Tim both bought the same snowboard, and Tim is now an Olympic. Athlete who won gold medal in snowboarding and Tom didn't do anything, or he fell down and he broke his leg. Like, you know, it's just the company is not responsible for the outcome. But when it is tied to us in this more intimate, heart centered kind of entrepreneurship, we hold it so tightly as though success or failure is fully in our hands and it's just not. Like, we have to own the part of it that we have to play. And hundred percent, I think there's room for us to evaluate if something didn't go well. First, like I said, debrief with that client to see why it didn't work in your case, debrief with your coachee to say, why do you feel like this isn't happening? Like figuring mm-hmm. it out. But then I think taking it that next step further is then privately as an entrepreneur, you as a coach and me as a service provider for ourselves to sit back and say, okay, what could I have done differently? Not with the coachy or with my client but with yourself to say, what are my practices? What are the things I have in place? Are there skills that I think I could improve on for myself going forward that could enhance what I have to offer that could potentially have a stronger impact for their success?
0: Yeah, I think about the idea of with our projects, we would always have after action. And it was the idea of that you all get in a room. There is no feelings of, somebody was at fault. And if any of those things, those kind of finger pointing show up that it's quickly dealt with, what did we learn from this? What are we going to do next? Because just as much as you don't want to tie your self-worth to whether something happened or not, we are guides for our clients so that they're not tying their own self-worth to whether taking this path towards trying to figure something out, maybe that didn't work. Maybe it wasn't for them. Maybe that's not what their clients want from a business. Maybe that's not really the career that they're supposed to be doing. Maybe there's some offshoot over here that they're trying so hard not to acknowledge or do. So you are kind of helping them by showing up in a way that you are not tying their success to you. Yeah, they should also then not be doing that, too. And you can show up in a way of modeling that kind of behavior of removing some of those emotions and recalling kind of. And this is where another one of the things I want to talk about is that storytelling. Are we telling ourselves a story about what happened Mm -hmm. or are we acknowledging the facts, what we know happened For sure, because oftentimes our story, depending on how we're showing up at that moment in time, can be very self kind of attacking versus, oh, well, the schedule changed 14 times because I'm working with other people on this project. Or the person that I'm working with, like from a coaching standpoint, showing up every week on a regular basis and that consistency, right, works. Sometimes life happens things have to get rescheduled people can't show up in the same way or emotionally they might not show up in the same way those stories of their busyness that we've already talked about last week and our time management kind of thing of what is the story versus what are
1: the facts life happened to you that's it right i think that's really interesting it made me just think of how we're so concerned with not sounding like we're making an excuse That has culturally become a thing where you never want to sound like you're making up an excuse for why something didn't happen because then you're perceived as not taking ownership. But what you just said made me think that if you consistently lean into the facts, then when the fact is that a scheduling change happened or the fact is that the dog ate your homework, like when the fact is that it no longer sounds like an excuse because you have continually and consistently shown that you lean into the facts. And I think that was just a light bulb moment for me because I thought I personally am always so cognizant of not giving the reason something didn't work because I don't want it to sound like I'm making an excuse. So I think that you saying that is making me see that the way I can grow through that is to consistently show up with the facts and be able to say, hey, you know what? This X, Y, Z thing didn't happen because the program was not working or they were doing maintenance and have that be a factual thing versus an emotionally attached thing. That is an excuse.
0: We're humans. We're not some AI developed program that has decided to have feelings and things happen. There's a reason why, like in high school chemistry, at the end of it, if something didn't work out, it's like, well, why didn't it work? human error like we didn't measure correctly or the materials we were using well oh that baking soda was like five years old and had expired and been sitting open you know it's like these things happen and we just don't always pay attention to all the little facts but yes i think there's a huge difference in understanding giving yourself grace to recognize with yourself Am I making an excuse because there's something else that I, like, I don't want to do this thing or I didn't want this to be successful? Like, is that really an excuse? Or is it just like, this was not for me at this moment in time. I made the wrong call. I didn't listen to my intuition. I pushed through when I should have paused. Understanding and recognizing when you're not listening to your own thoughts and your own Feelings of what the next step is, because you're people pleasing, because you're thinking, oh, well, my partner is expecting this project to be super successful because once we get this money in, it's going to mean this or, you know, whatever it is like thinking of those. Do I have these thoughts that bring in someone else's expectation of my actions? When you're in a relationship, when you have family members, when you're working on a team, when You're doing collaborations. There's expectations of how you show up. But I think even for like you and I, we've developed this agreement that says like, we're going to be honest with each other. Things are going to come up. We acknowledge that. And we both are really good about saying, well, we've created a flexibility for a certain extent, but we don't want to roll over. You know, we don't want to be like, oh, shucks, I don't feel like it today. You know, but then sometimes that
1: happens. Because it just does (laughs) I think that's a good distinction though, because you need to listen to yourself because potentially if you're either constantly people pleasing or constantly rolling over to something else, maybe the thing that you are doing is not the thing you want to do. So I think that is room for you to be more self aware in evaluating the thing that you're, you know, potentially making excuses about and not recognizing that you're doing that because you don't want to be doing that thing and then that's a whole nother space of figuring out what items you don't want to do anymore, whether that's from a people pleasing perspective or not. I think the other thing too, that can come in both of these things is confidence. And I think you, obviously, we know, don't get confidence overnight, but as an entrepreneur, that is something you need to build. And I think we talked earlier about it's that going back to leaning into your why, whatever that is for you, but leaning into that over and over consistently, again, it's that consistency that the more that you do that, the more confidence you will gain. And so when these things come up, and you have to make that conscious choice about am I people pleasing? Or am I following through with an agreement of customer service or whatever, you can have that conversation with yourself and then make that decision based on your confidence of yes, I'm in agreement with the things that I establish. Yes, I'm in agreement with what my why is. This is something I still want to do. This is something I'm willing to stretch or be flexible about because it still fits within that overarching plan that I made. And I think it just gives you more tools you're using each time to make good decisions for you and to combat that people pleasing. I think for me, every time I do that and I consciously recognize that I didn't do people pleasing, that I actually made the decision because it was either fit within those guidelines, or within a flexibility space, I gain confidence. So then I start to trust myself that on a regular basis, I'm making decisions that are based in those concrete guidelines and not based in people pleasing. And I think that's a really healthy growth to be able to do that. Keep moving forward and consistently show yourself that you have the confidence to do that.
0: Well, and confidence is one of those things that when you realize, and this has happened to me, you know, through burnout, I realized that my confidence is completely lacking. And as a person, you know, at the moment in time in my mid 40s, two kids married, and I had a team, managed people. They all seemed to trust me and all of that, but my self confidence was so lacking. And it really was about that I had stopped really walking through the world as a learner, as someone that was always willing to say, what's next? What's new? How am I learning from these? Like you step away from that because you feel this pressure to, oh, now I have to know what the heck I'm doing. And there's this self-confidence that goes away and you just start acting in a way of what you think people need you to act, to show up in. And it's so void of who you are and what you want. And so oftentimes by the point you kind of realize you're in that, that's when burnout hits and it can happen to anyone. Like I was having a mammogram done and the technician was asking me what I did. And I was telling her that I was a life coach. I think this happens sometimes to other people that are coaches. Once you say that. They kind of like just vent all of their frustrations about their current environment on you. And she's like, "Well, what did you do before? Why did you leave?" And I said, "Oh, I worked in government technology, and I was just burnt out." And she's like, "I don't really like. I mean, healthcare, yeah, but that, like, how did you get burnt?" And I realized it's there's all <laughs> of these judging that my own situation is so much worse. And when you're in burnout, like your situation is the absolute positive worst kind of thing that can happen. So having the confidence and also realizing when all of your decisions are based off of those around you and what they think you should be doing or what they want the end result to be, or, you know, and as an employee or even an entrepreneur, there's that customer service side, like you talked about showing up being a professional, showing up when they need you to be there with that agreement having a joint understanding of what both of your roles are, like that is a healthy, healthy place to show up. When it's just all about whatever you want, I'll provide. That's a very unhealthy place. But so many entrepreneurs just transition from a day job of that's how they've been operating to entrepreneurship of showing up just like, what does my client need? I'm going to show that. And you've talked about, you know, just as you said about a boutique agency and what that means, but learning what that means does not mean everything a client asks me to do, I'm going to say yes to like, that's not what that means.
1: (laughs) And I think that distinction for me has been taking the word professional, like, I am a heart centered business, which means I show up in my full humanity. That's a term I heard recently, and it just really stuck with me. And I get to be a human. You know, that was part of why I left the corporate world, because I wanted to be a person. I didn't want to have to not share that I had a hot flash or, you know, menopause brain fog. Like I wanted to be able to show up as myself or, you know, have a family situation that you need to deal with. I wanted to have the ability to do that. But what I think needs to be clear, and it comes a little bit back to this idea of facts versus excuses, is that it's a business. So there still needs to be a level of professionalism, which means you are not just doing yourself and your client a favor by having those things in place. That's professional. Like have those things in place so that you both know how you're going to show up, but so that you can confidently know how you're supposed to deliver what you're promising right and i think if you don't have that in place and you don't recognize that the professional needs to come into it then it can easily sound like excuses when things don't go well or can feel like you don't have a space to be able to say oh well that wasn't what i intended and cuz there's just too much room for interpretation and too much willy-nilly there's too much willy-nilly
0: <laughs> you know so we kind of wrap up our conversation today What kind of started this conversation was just the thought of thinking about people pleasing a lot and just having a lot of family dynamics with, you know, for myself with the move and empty nesting and all of that. It's just the am I making decisions based on what my partner wants or am I making decisions based on what we both want and having conversations about that and coming to kind of an agreement where, yes, sometimes it's going to be way more him and sometimes for certain things it's going to be way more me. And realizing that as long as it's kind of balanced out, because really it's like after 22 years, it's like never a 50-50 all the way on everything. It's It balances out as it goes. Like as the road goes, things kind of balance themselves out. But of listening to a TED Talk, and I'll put you know the link to it, she was talking about recognizing if you're people pleasing and that you can place yourself into imagining you're 20 or 30 years down the road now for Christina and I I don't really know if I want to picture myself, yeah, you know, that's, that's at that point long. yet, but 20, 30 years down the road and someone's talking about a business that sounds a lot like yours right now. And if you are answering saying, I could have had that business, I could have been super successful with that. And they ask you, well, why not? What are the reasons that come up? what are you saying why you didn't take the leap and start this business or why you didn't decide to take that grand adventure or why you didn't make your business as successful as these other people, right. That we see. And if it's because of like the thoughts are my partner at the time, my kids at the time, you know, like our circumstances, our money or other things, if it has to do with other people and not because you knew that you made the decision, then that's when you're people pleasing around your business, around the next move that you make in your life. And that's the, if we don't know, I can't remember if it was you that talked about this at some point. I feel like, and I refer to this idea of someone saying, how do you like your eggs? And I don't know if this was you. I think it was like way back in a conversation.
1: Yeah yeah we talked about that before it's actually from a movie it's the Runaway Bride I think Okay. and Julia Roberts you know she has all these different men that she runs away from the altar and it, you know Richard Gere challenges her to say well how do you like your eggs because when she's with so and so she likes them the same way he does and and so she has to figure out how do I like my eggs and I ask myself that all the time because that's a really great analogy for me to figure out if I'm people pleasing like how do I want something to be it's not always easy for me to find the answer because it's so ingrained in me to defer to what someone else wants. And I don't say that in a way of being a martyr and that, oh, I never choose my own path. It's just, I genuinely am excited to learn new ways and to be interested in other people. So it is a little bit of both where I'm like, oh, well, you like them this way. Okay, let me try that out. Maybe I will like them. But to actually sit and own my own experience and own what it is that I want, you know, takes a little bit of coaching for myself internally to figure out what kind of eggs I like.
0: That I think is a great place for us to end our conversation today. And a question for you to ask yourself, if you're wondering, is this business what I want to be creating? Is it because I saw someone else creating a business like this and it looks super successful. And so I keep plodding along but it's not feeling right. How do you like your eggs? And you might need to try all the different ways to really know how you like your eggs. You might not have tried it yet. Once again, thank you, Christina, for a great conversation. And we will be back next week. Thanks, Heather.